Blog Talk Radio.
That's why we need unions, to fight for the middle class. And that's why I've said before that if I were looking for a good job with good wages that lets me build some security for my family, I'd join a union, because I'd want that union to be looking out for me. That's why together we've got to keep up the fight for good jobs that pay good wages, for job training and apprenticeships, for great education for all our kids. We've got to keep up the fight to fix a broken immigration system and to make sure that hard work pays off with wages you can live on, savings you can retire on, and workplace flexibility you can count on, whether you are a sanitation worker, a child care worker, or a home health aide. That's what Americans who work hard and play by the rules deserve. That's what we can achieve together if we're bold, brave, and determined enough. That's how we'll make sure America remains a place where you can make it if you try. Thank you all very, very much. That was President Obama speaking to members of AFSCME at their um, convention. In Chicago, yeah. the 41st convention. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to bring that on up. And then we got, so I got something else I thought we should know uh, before um, we go on. Um, hopefully we'll have time to, tonight to, to talk more about this. But um, I want to bring up uh, something about Wi-Fi uh, that I suppose, I suppose it could kill uh, millions of whistle, millions of people, a whistleblower says. Uh, and I'm going to take the court down. Um, let me let me just go on here because I, I posted something that I thought was uh, yeah, Lee Saunders. Yeah, I thought I did. Uh, I posted the uh, he's the president of AFSCME. Uh, AFSCME. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, hang on. No. Well, yeah, I post so many. Sometimes I I. I uh, in the meantime, why don't I talk about... Yeah, um, but, uh, I just thought it should be here. Should a criminal record make you jobless and homeless? When someone is convicted of a crime in the United States, the law provides a range of possible penalties. In most cases, there is some discretion for the judge in terms of the specific penalty, but there are usually minimum and maximum penalties that have some relation to the crime. <coughs> The American justice system is based on the idea that once you're convicted of a crime, you pay your penalty, and then you get a chance to learn from your mistake and improve your life. But the reality is often something quite different. What happens is you can't get a job. That's the reality. Well, I got a, I, I've got a... <coughs> did you want to go on with that? Yeah, I'll just... I'm trying to... I, I got a two-minute video um, speech by uh, Adam. Ashley President, um, okay. Lisa Lee Saunders, and um, he talks about uh, a lot of stuff. But he kicked off the first convention of big news in our union's 92,155 members stronger today than it was a few months ago. That's 100, almost 100,000 people mm-hmm. more. That's than good. It was. Yeah, that's great. Um, and this is that he talks about this. And he's so let's. Listen to that. This is, uh, Sanders, uh, Through our solidarity, through our solidarity, we can champion the values we believe in. Our values, our values help level the playing field for working families so that all of us are included 
and America's promise. Leveling the playing field requires a collective bargaining, which built the middle class. Collective bargaining must be respected. Leveling the playing field. Leveling the playing field requires that working families earn a decent living and retire with dignity and respect. Leveling that playing field. Leveling the playing field requires that our political system be accessible to all of us, not to the highest bidder. Leveling that playing field. And leveling the playing field requires that public services keep the most vulnerable from slipping through the cracks and be strong enough to protect our community. You know, once upon a time, nobody was a better advocate for these values and for the rights of all workers than the American labor movement. Even non-union workers understood that the stronger we were, the better off they were. But you know what? Got to be honest with one another. We stopped making our case. We mistakenly believed that the rights we won could never be lost. Today we must regain our passion because we are the last line of defense for working families across this country. The forces against us know that we are the only barrier standing between them and their plan to reshape and remake America. They want more power. They want more wealth at the expense of the rest of us who are working hard and playing by the rules. But sisters and brothers, we will protect public services. We will protect retirement security. We will protect our rights. We will protect our union, and we will protect our nation. All right. Well, you know, that's, that's good. Let's, let's, uh, let's do that. I hope so. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah, I, I like this, and I hope, I hope we're not... Uh, well, Lila and I, unfortunately, are kind of jaded, but you know, with, with political speeches. But you know, well, the thought, the thought is good. Now follow up with action. Exactly. That's the way I feel about political speeches. And, and, and I feel that way about Obama's speech was great. Yeah. Now follow up with yeah, some, do some something. Teeth in it. Exactly. Stop kowtowing to damn corporations and uh, you know, get on with it. What he's doing is he just screwing everybody over. It's screwing In down. reference to that, um, Dollar Democracy uh, oh, with yeah. Liberty and Justice for Some by Peter Matthews. He's going to be our guest. I just want to tell you a little bit about Peter. Um, he has spent 30 years as a college and university professor, and he is a professor of political science at Cypress College and has taught at California State University Fullerton and is currently a featured political analyst and contributing partner on the Head-On Radio Show in Los Angeles. During 2012 and 2013, Peter served as a political analyst on KL, KTLK Progressive Talk Radio's popular The David Cruz Show in Los Angeles. So he's been on a number of talk shows. 
and uh, he's lived and traveled and taught and conducted research in 27 countries, Britain, France, Denmark, Germany, Canada, Costa Rica, India, and he's gained first-hand knowledge of the political policy issues such as health care, education, economic development, and international relations because of his travels. And he was a Democratic Party nominee for the U.S. Congress in 1998, and he ran a close race in Long Beach, California, in that district that he ran in. He moved to Los Angeles in 1979 and has been a resident of Long Beach for 23 years, where he lives with his wife and his daughter. So anyway, to make a long story short, that's the guy, but uh, let's let's kind of get into a little bit of what he talks about. Well, and, uh, he talks about big corporations and their super wealthy owners have bought many American politicians through campaign contributions and lobbying. These politicians have voted to benefit their donors and not the American public. They have made decisions that led to outsourcing good middle class jobs and they're beginning to dismantle our public education system, kindergarten through college and university. We have deteriorating health care that leaves Americans in danger and sick and broke, the destroying of our environment and lives, the polluting of our food through deregulation of big agribusiness, pesticide use, and the proliferation of genetically modified foods. We just had the crash of Wall Street and the Great Recession, from which the bottom 99% of Americans have not yet recovered, while the super wealthy, the top 1%, they are doing just fine. So he talks a lot about that in the book, and he builds a case for some reform. Hello. Hi, this is Peter. Hello, Hello. who are we looking for? Steve Matthews. Hold on one second. Yeah, thank you. Hello, Peter Matthews here. Hi, Peter. This is uh, this is L.A. Steele. How are you? Hello, L.A. Steele. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Uh, I'm here yeah. in L.A. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And my, uh, my co-host, Lila. Hi, Peter. Nice to meet you. Hello. May I get your name again, please? Lila. Lila. Hello, Lila. How are you? I'm well, thank you. It's great to have you on the show. And it's a privilege. Thank you so much. Uh, Peter, um both Leo and I in, enjoyed your book very much, and you build a great case with um, some good ideas for reform. But let's start at the beginning. Sure. What, what propelled you to write this book? What, what was the moment that you decided you were going to write this book, and what was that? Actually, I'd been teaching for 20 years before I decided. But about 10 years ago, I said that there's something that has to be done with what's going on that I'm finding in my research that – the middle class was really taking a big hit with globalization, outsourcing, and, and, the, and the rich-poor gap growing because of the tax policies. And I said, I'm going to write this. But then 9-11 hit, 
and that sidetracked a lot of us for a while. But I went back to it about a year ago and put my head right to the grindstone and did it. I took a year to write it, research it fully, and to write it. And mainly because I think we're in a crisis right now, Lyle. Uh, it's it, it's really bad where there's danger and opportunity. That's what crisis means in Mandarin, in the Mandarin language. You know, danger that we could this whole country could go down because the middle class disappears and we go back to the Gilded Age even further, or the opportunity to actually show people that there is a, a, a solution to this, that we people can get involved, we can get organized, and demand that our leaders pursue the right policy that will help us. I noticed, so I got into it that way. I, I noticed that what was interesting in your book was that you talked a lot about the loss of jobs, the loss of everything that uh, due to so many, um, the, the, the loss of our economy. There is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, uh, one thing I, I was looking through, and I have to admit, I just couldn't squeeze all of it before our interview. But, right. Uh, I'd like to ask you about your thoughts about uh, the uh, trans uh, Pacific uh, uh, partnership. partnership. Uh, oh, that's, uh, yes, certainly. That's just uh, NAFTA on steroids, I would characterize it as, and it's the free trade regime again uh, that's going to just really uh, reduce our middle class further, and also around the world it's going to make people more poor, while the elites and the rich corporate owners are going to get richer. And there's also a lack of loss of sovereignty, of our sovereignty, uh, sovereign status in a lot of our policies with these um, uh, agencies that have been set up to uh, implement the trade agreements. I'm totally yeah, against been- it, obviously. Yeah, we've been trying for uh, for the last year to to bring this forward and as much as we could. But um, how is your uh, what do you well, let me put it to you this way? Uh, what's your opinion of the of, of Obama? Oh, my opinion you? is that yeah, and you know I must be honest. And they said I did campaign for him and voted for him in back in 2008. And we, a lot of us had much higher hopes that with his rhetoric that he would be followed through. And really pushed it and stood up for the right thing, to, even if Congress was to go against him, he should have gone out of the public and taken his case there. We would have had a much better country, and I think he's basically started off with compromises with the right wing, and he starts in the middle uh, of the uh, argument rather than starting at the beginning where he thinks he's right. He starts in the middle and gives them half the loaf before he even negotiates. And so I think that he's been a corporate, basically influenced by corporations. He's took a lot of money from Wall Street individuals who bundled money, and he was yeah. uh, his actions after after the Great Recession and the bailout, uh, you know, implementing the bailout the way he did, and the people he put in place, like Tim Geithner, is is proof of that. So I'm very disappointed in many ways. I think he's done a couple of good things. You know, I certainly think it was good the negotiation with this, with Russia on reducing the arms, nuclear arms, and he's done a but couple of he, things like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that you know, Go but ahead. Then, then he made a complete idiot of himself in wanting to to uh, to bomb Syria. You know? Oh, I know, I know. You cannot bomb people in this. You cannot bomb people into submission. And we have to understand that we've done that with shock and awe in Iraq, and now he's talking about bombing Syria, rather than working it out in a negotiated process. I agree with you on that 100. percent Many things he's made, many mistakes along the way. I just wanted to you know, ask I you. Just, that. The reason I asked you, I should have prefaced it, but the reason I wanted to ask you what your thoughts about Obama were is because I, like you, I, I I voted for the clown back in. Uh, uh, and in a way too, but mm-hmm. But I mean, based on what we had, I said, God, how could anybody be worse than than, than, than an idiot like Bush and a, and a moron like McCain? All right. Yes. And, and yes. Of course, you know, and, and then of course they they put in 
against him in, uh, Romney. in you know, Romney in the next election. Romney, yeah, yeah. So he's, so, you know, yeah. Go so ahead, continue. Ultimate, uh, you know, crook. But my, 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 what, what I'm pushing, uh, what I'm trying to get at, and I'm sorry I'm delaying here. But what I'm, what I was trying to get at is, what's your opinion as far as uh, has Obama done anything of value toward to to resurrect this economy, or to help the middle class, or to help unions, or to help anybody other than to line the pockets of these major corporations? I mean, what? No. What do- the answer, short answer, is no, because he has not done anything in terms of of uh, strengthening labor or making sure these corporate loopholes are closed, or in fact, these free trade agreements are abhorrent. They're horrible. We need to move for fair trade agreements that would raise the labor standards in those other countries, that are low-wage countries, and then raise the environmental standards so we'd have an even playing field. He should be pushing that and cross-border organizing. He should be supporting President Zelaya, who was thrown out of Honduras with a coup, and said he went and supported the other guy. And he wouldn't even meet with Zelaya. Remember that? Yes, I so do. there's so much. Yeah. And it's again, it's that corporate agenda, the international corporate agenda to a large extent. It's just very, very disappointing and outrageous. Well, that's what I like about your book because what you did was that you analyzed the problem and mm-hmm. it was regardless of political party. And yes. That was a very good thing because um, it is the collaboration of both parties in the problem that's created the, the mess that we're in today. That is so true. If one one party had stood up for the regular people, then it wouldn't be this mess. And you're right. Go right ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, and it it was a a real indictment of of our political system as it stands today. Do you think the book was pretty clearly written then? Do you think it was pretty understandable when you read it? Oh, yes, very understandable. And uh, I really liked it because it was so clear. And I hope that it gets put in high school. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? We should try that, really. Really, we want to get at the population before they vote, so they understand the history of why things are Uh the way they are, starting with the dismantling of the middle class and um, all of these trade agreements that have been made and and the Mm -hmm. campaign finance problems. And I can see where you were headed when I was reading this book, to where the solutions were going to be. I mean, when you yes. think about that, um, you stayed in here, the starting salary for a college graduate today averages $35,000 a year if they could get a job. If they get a job, yeah. The starting salary for a college graduate 15 years ago averaged 50000 a year. I mean, that's, that's right. information. That alone was was a chilling to me. Eye-opening, wasn't it? it was eye- and these young people, if they read that, they're going to see where they're headed, and this will be the first generation to do worse than their parents. That's against the American dream, and they should know what's happening so they can fix it. How do we get it into schools, high schools? Wouldn't that be something? Okay. Absolutely. It has, it has to be, it's a book for young people, because it really does give them a direction to head in and to understand where the problems are. You, you give enough of the history of the problems, and then you come into the solutions. And that's where I'd like to concentrate tonight, on the solutions. Sure. Uh-huh. I think we all know what the problems are. I mean, we, we do know what the problems are when we go to the store and we try to buy some groceries. Most exactly. of us know, we see how expensive everything is today. 
And when we try to get something changed politically, uh, it doesn't work for us. Uh, One of the things, as she's talking about the groceries, uh, you mentioned in your book, and I was very grateful that you did, that you talked uh, uh, quite a bit about genetically modified foods. Uh, yes. And the, and the poisoning of our uh, of our uh, uh, system, you know, and a poison of our mm-hmm. world. Uh, but uh, I, my curiosity to you, or my my one first question to you, really on that is, how what do you feel? Do you feel that global warming is a true factor, or do you feel it's a man-made, a manufactured, uh, uh, scientific uh, uh, bull? I I think I really think that the evidence that I've looked at, and I did quite a bit of research on that, but I'm not an expert on it. But I would say that what I've seen from the research is that the consensus is there among most of the world scientists that there's definitely warming going on, but the question is who's responsible. And most of the time, it points to human-caused increase in temperatures. You know, and so I think I think it's better to be cautious, regardless of whether, whatever way we, the evidence shows in the end, it's better to be cautious and move toward new technologies that other countries are doing. Why don't we build more electric cars with longer-range batteries like South Korea is doing? Build it right here. We could set up infrastructure, hire people with a new deal to hire engineers out of college and engineers and scientists to build these electric charging stations and exchange, battery exchange packs where they have in Denmark where you can change drive an electric car up to a, a, a place where you park it, and, and there's a pit underneath, and the guy goes underneath and changes your battery in five minutes. So we could build uh, maglev trains. We could build high-speed rail. We could, so much we could do in America with the money that's being used to fight war, and that's got to end. This unjust wars, the $3 trillion war in Iraq was outrageous. So this is, I think this is what we should do, and the global warming issue is something that could galvanize us. A lot of young people really are concerned about it because they'll be here longer than us at least longer than me. I'm not sure how old you guys are. Well, let me ask you this. Sure. We're older than you are, I believe, based on your picture, unless your picture is 10 years old. Yeah, you look <laughs> No, it's not 10 years old. It's about three years old. <laughs> so, but my, my question really, well, it's not a real question. You're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a teacher, and yes. you're dealing with students in various ages, but maybe in their 20s mostly. Uh, right. Uh, we are involved with the, with high school and elementary areas. I have, uh, Lila being a, a professional counselor, and uh, uh-huh. we uh, uh, we are uh, we see it from a from a different perspective. In that, I I am so shocked at how uh, blatantly brainwashed. These kids are into. And, yes. You, know, you a lot of this in your book. I I, I appreciated your you're talking about this. But this, do you see any hope? I mean, when you see these kids going to college, how? Mm-hmm. I mean, they are so. Uh, I mean, I see them in high school. I see them in seniors and so on. And I and I, I just am appalled at how. Uh, Blind. How indoctrinated or brainwashed they are? Yeah, I see what you're saying. No, I do see that, but I, I also see a lot of hope because I noticed that once the students come into my class, many of them are skeptical of what I'm saying. They're saying, where's this guy coming from? We never heard this before. When they read the book and they see this data and this, the people, the sources I'm getting data from, they start at least opening up their minds to, to at least pay attention to it and, see, and to investigate it, to investigate the charges I'm making. And they know the facts. I mean, they know their incomes are not going up. 
When they work part-time at Disneyland or at Knossberry Farm, they don't have that much money to, to live on. They can't take the classes they need to, get to graduate to college on time because they've been cut. Their tuitions have been skyrocketing. So these young people in college and the older people that I have as students in college are well aware of this because they've lived through a lot. So I do have hope for the young people. And you're right about the high school and junior high schools in America. They really do indoctrinate heavily toward corporate capitalism and to not get young people to question authority or to question how to make the world better. And you could contrast that with France. I'm, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I, was, I was just going to say, they don't even have the basic understanding of economics or banking. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, they come out as seniors uh, graduating, and they don't even know what a bank is other than Getting that something. taking money out, but they have no concept of how it operates. How it they operates? Whose money is it? Yeah, they don't have the concept, the full concept. And, and here's another thing that, that, that just blew my mind, okay? Mm-hmm. I gave a lecture on, a, uh, I guess, a lecture to high school seniors on, on the Constitution. They, they, yes. They, I mean, it was so, it was the most bizarre thing I ever, I ever experienced in my life. Wow, these, tell me. All of these kids getting ready to graduate hadn't, hadn't even, didn't even know really what the Constitution was about, okay? Now, wow. Now, remember. This was the class on Constitution. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yes, yes. The class of all classes that should at least have touched on what the causes of the Why was the Constitution written? How did it, all that's so important. You know what else? I don't like teachers who make you memorize the Constitution, test you multiple choice on which, which amendment is what number by putting 3, 4, 5, A, B, C, or D. I like professors or teachers in high school that will, will relate the various amendments, the various articles to our personal lives today. How does it affect freedom and justice, those philosophical questions, which, by the way, I feel that young people are very capable of discussing those things. I'd bring them up in my classes where I'd be an 18-year-old freshman, and they really get into the discussions. And you have to relate, to relate it to their lives, their personal lives. That's what I would say. So maybe there's something we could do in the high schools. The first thing is to get this book of mine in there, if possible at all. Wouldn't that be something? But your, yeah, it'd be great. But your book is, is going to obviously be censored because it usually, they usually do that. The um, school boards, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could they, be. They They'll do it to yours. They do it to anybody who tries to say anything. Um, mm-hmm. You'll get stuff to, uh, uh, you know, something and, like, like forget about uh, operations like Barnes & Noble, all right? Forget about those operations. Well, actually, um, I got some news for you. I got some news for you. Barnes & Noble is today notifying me they're going to carry my book. We've even uploaded it and got the digital, not the digital, but the hard copy, and they're going to oh, even really? carry the hard copy, believe it or not. They are. They've already agreed. <laughs> So that was very good, but normally you'd think they would censor something like that. Oh, they will. They'll throw it in. They'll throw it somewhere in the wonderful land of, of no, 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 no. <laughs> no telling yeah. where. That's true. To talk a little bit about your solution to the political problem, and you brought up at the state level, Maine's pioneering clean election system. In, yes. Uh, talk a little bit about that and why you think it's a good thing. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I've even spoken with uh, Representative Long, Thomas Longfellow of, of Maine, who got elected as a clean money candidate. So I got firsthand personal information on how it works. But the way it works is if you're running for state assembly, uh, just like other offices such as governor or the uh, state senate, actually not governor, state senator or state assembly, you, all you have to do is get $5 contributions from 65 people in your district, your assembly district, to show that they're nominating you with, with the putting of their money where their mouth is. Five bucks a piece is a nomination fee and they're paying it to, for you to pay to the election commission. Then you take the 300 and something dollars that you just collected, 
and you'd give it to the uh, Maine State Election Commission, and that right away qualifies you to be on the ballot as long as you meet other, other qualifications such as being 18 years old and a registered voter, etc. So when you meet the qualifications, you've turned in your nominating uh, money. From then on, you pledge not to accept any private money from any source, even your own money. And you cannot spend your own money in your campaign. Your own, then you are written a check by the Maine State Election Commission. They write you a check for several thousand dollars to reach about several thousand voters because they have smaller districts in Maine with smaller population state. But the, the state writes you a check from a taxpayer, from the budget, from the state budget, taxpayer money, which comes out to less than one-half of one percent of the state budget, budget annually, guys. Less than one-half of one percent to buy the government back from the corporations and put it in the hands of the people. And it's amazing because these people who ran as clean money people in Maine, they're so happy with it. They can go out and campaign and talk to voters and have house meetings. They don't have to be on the phone half the day begging rich people and, and corporations for money. So when they get elected, guess what? Maine became the first state way back 15, 10, about 10, 11 years ago to pass a comprehensive health care reform that covered over 93, 94, 5, 95% of its people. became the first state as a pioneer in comprehensive health care because those, those Maine legislators were not bought off by the special interest lobbying companies like the insurance companies, the HMOs, etc. So it works very they, well in Maine. How did they go about uh, getting that uh, clean election system law passed? How did they oh, they, they, did it the, they did it through initiative, through actually a campaign initiative, which some states, about half the states have that process. California does, too, where we can uh, put on the ballot an initiative for voters to vote on by gathering a certain number of signatures of registered voters, and putting then that way it, becomes, it goes on the ballot automatically, and the voters get to vote for or against it and to pass the law themselves. And they did it, they did it not with the legislature, but with the voters themselves through an initiative process. And Arizona did the same thing. Arizona did the same way. And now Arizona also has this, is that correct? They do, and Arizona has it for their governor as well. And Janet Napolitano, the former governor of Arizona, was the first and only elected governor nationwide through clean money. And I even have quoted her in my book and how happy she was with it and how it made her free to be able to pursue good policy, not the, money, not the money-driven policy or corporate-driven policy. Game of her for crying out loud. Was that? You know, I mean, she became the... The first uh, uh, draconian queen in the in the, in the United States uh, next to well, that, <laughs> you, you got a point there. <laughs> but when yeah. she was a clean money governor, she did a lot of better things than than she would have done if she had to take corporate money. And, How uh, about it, 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 um, so? What happened with that? Can you talk a little bit about the court case in 2011, Arizona Free Enterprise Club versus Bennett? Yes, I can. And before I do that, I want to say that uh, Janet Napolitano became the first governor in Arizona to push through a prescription drug benefit that benefited seniors, not the corporations and the health insurance companies. But here's that, that particular case you're talking about was one in which this conservative right-wing court led by this Justice Roberts uh, decided that in Arizona there was a challenge to the clean money election, a certain provision of it. In Arizona, like in Maine, there's what's called matching funds. So when a clean money candidate raises a certain amount of money because the government writes him a check, and then the dirty money candidate he's running against, a private candidate, privately financed, raises more and more and more money. The government used to write a second check to match the amount that the private candidate, the dirty money candidate, raised to even the playing field. And that was working very well. The court decided to strike it down because a dirty money candidate in Arizona complained and said that the government should not be funding the clean money candidate because it infringes on the dirty money candidate's free speech. And the, I don't know what the court was smoking when they decided that because the dirty money guy could have run as a clean money guy and had the, the funds he needed if he did it the right way. But the court ruled in favor of the private corporate interest, of course. You're not a surprise with that Supreme Court, huh? 
Oh, not they, at all. This is outrageous. Look what they've done recently. Given corporations personhood in the form of uh, having a religion and being able to deny, deny women birth control. That's outrageous. Some of those things are so outrageous what they've decided. Citizens United, you know, where I, organizations spend as much money as they want on a campaign and against or for without any... Here's the most disgusting, the most disgusting thing that 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 uh, has happened recently with them is that the Senate, okay, who could have denied it, okay, just a, just a, you know there was a, there was a bill in Congress just a few days ago, or not Congress, the mm-hmm. Senate, okay, that to to uh, oppose or to you know to nullify the Supreme Court decision on that case. Okay? Oh yes, uh-huh. And and what they did is. The Democrats who hold the majority in the, in the Senate uh, didn't didn't vote for it. Half of them didn't vote for it, and it lost. It lost by, by so they, it so, lost. Yes, it lost. Yeah, and that's because that's because the Democrats, a bunch of them, are bought off by the corporations as well. And I do I point that out in my book. It's not just the Republican Party but probably a majority of Democrats as well that are bought off by the corporate lobbyists and their money. They don't want to have clean money because they're doing great with the dirty money, aren't they? And that's okay, a real doing- shame. And, um, oh, I, I oh, don't forget, move to yeah, the move to amend uh, uh, solution, that 28th Amendment, which I talked about. I'm not sure if you want me to talk about that as a solution, because that's the ultimate comprehensive solution. Yes, I do. Move I to amend. That. That's just where I was going. To, in there, okay, in go ahead. So I'd, li- I'd like mm-hmm. you to talk about that, because corporations are not people. No, it's this most ridiculous thing. That in 1886, the U.S. Supreme Court unanimously voted that corporations are natural persons with human rights, natural rights, and even protections of the 14th Amendment and the first 10 amendments, which is ridiculous. And since then, it's been going downhill because they give corporations even more and more power. And they've also declared in 1976 that money equals speech. So now corporations could have as much speech through their money as they want. And, and I think their court was just completely wrong. I know they were influenced by corporate elites to do that. And what I would suggest, the 28th Amendment does have great provisions, two provisions. One is it declares that corporations are not natural persons with fundamental human rights, and it declares also that money is not speech. So it nullifies the two most egregious aspects of this corporate personhood and money is speech uh, rulings, which the courts have used to give the corporation monster. I compare the big corporations like this to Frankenstein's monster. They were set up originally to be able a limited charter, you know, the state would charter a corporation to build a canal, and they would only exist for as long as they're building the canal. They could have 12% profit. And after that, the 1800s, they became getting more and more rights, and then they became the Frankenstein monster totally out of control, controlling well, everyone else. Well, what people don't realize is that our entire government is a corporation, all right? That's true. It is, by and large. We're incorporated, all right? Yeah. <laughs> state government is incorporated. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the reason that uh, they're, they're, you know the, the reason you need driver's licenses is because you know you are violating a corporate law that you know you have you are part of the uh, corporation. You know, as a mm. state. As, yeah, you are So this has gone so far out of control, hasn't it? And the American people have to wake up and return this power back to us, and away you from know, these big corporations. You know, probably the yeah. most frightening thing I ever heard. Uh, was that everybody who is born is assigned a, 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 a number on the New York Stock Exchange. Is right? that right? Right. And that is called mm. your birth certificate. Oh, birth okay. certificate, yes. Birth certificate is is assigned to 
the stock exchange. And the reason for that is is because you we are under admiralty law. We're collateral. We are, and, and every ah. individual in this country is owes its ass to the Federal Reserve. All right? Owes its Well, that's another instance I want to talk about. Yes, go ahead. And for that for that reason, back in 1933, when this when the United States actually went bankrupt, okay, mm-hmm. to the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve, we 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 developed we went under Admiralty law, and under Admiralty oh. law, every uh, everything has a berth. Every every ship has a berth, okay, mm-hmm. and that's how we get the berth certificate. Okay? Certificate, I see. Exactly, and the berth certificate. And- of course, is also registered on the New York Stock Exchange. And the reason for that is because every cent that you make in your life is is recorded and is uh, owed to the federal government and owed to the Federal Reserve, all right? Because yeah, that Federal Reserve is made up of mostly all bankers, aren't they? Big bankers. Eight your banks, eight private banks. Wall Street, okay. yes. Yes, and, and but but the we are nothing more than a commodity, basically. Mm. Is what we are. And our entire life's work is what is traded. Okay, your life is. Expensive. We're bought and sold. We're bought and sold like a commodity, which we've become, and that's the way the system is unbelievably got out of control. The, the extreme forms of dehumanizing people and just looking at them as dollars. I mean, look at our healthcare system. The same thing, isn't it? With the healthcare the way it is, privately run mostly, and it's, you yeah. buy and sell people's health, deny them care. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, for instance, probably, and you know, there's probably the most most incredible criminal activity in this world is banking. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and yeah. the most incredible criminals are the Federal Reserve in this country because those banks, every bank charter allows an individual, an individual, a bank to create money that it doesn't have mm-hmm. to create money. The Federal Reserve creates money, okay, out of nowhere. Yes, right? yes. They create bank notes because these, we have to owe them for every single dollar the federal government owes them. Now, the, the absurdity of that is that this this developed in 1919, okay, through one of the, an amendment, I believe the 19th Amendment. 1913, uh, I believe it was, yeah. 1913, but it was... Uh, 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 it was 16th Amendment? I believe 16th Amendment, perhaps. Yeah, 16th Amendment. Yeah. But whatever it was, we then became slaves to the uh, Federal Reserve that we used to develop, we used to issue our own coins, we used to issue our own money. And we had every right to do that, and we still do. But when, 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 when the, the, this crooked, horrible government that we had then and still have now, okay, created the, the Federal Reserve, we became slaves to them. All right. And, no and what's more, more also, they they also set the interest rates that affect every one of us, when it, to our from our housing to our auto loans. Every interest rate that we pay is affected and set by the Federal Reserve, and that's just outrageous because it takes a lot of money out of our pocket, doesn't it? Doesn't leave anything here. The whole thing is absurd, and probably the most absurd thing is that we create that they create money out of nowhere. Okay, it's absolutely Mm. out of nowhere. Right? 
And, and, we could and do the same thing for We nothing. do the same thing, but the only thing we're it's backed by it's backed by our, our our productivity. It's backed by the our resources in this country. Our re- our labor, yes. So let me ask you this: Can we mention the the uh, website that the book can be? Uh, people can go to the website and learn more about me and also about the book. Would that be possible? Sure, go right. When you when you're ready, I don't know what time you have time frame, but I wouldn't mind whenever you're ready. No rush. Just look at a few more minutes. That's right. E Peter Matthews with one T M A T H E W S dot com. E Peter Matthews dot com. And you're also going to be in bookstores. You said maybe. That's right. I will be in bookstores and Barnes and Noble, and you can order it there. And also the Amazon.com. You can also go to our website and click and get to Amazon.com directly there and order it there. It's also on. By the way, it's on Kindle, Amazon Kindle Digital as well for half the price. It's only 19.95, but it's 9.95 on Kindle. Oh, good. Oh, and what, what's the value? What's the book price? Uh, what's the hard copy price? Uh, 19.95. We kept it affordable. Very good, very good. Good. Um, yeah, uh, I was surprised. Yeah, uh, you're on Amazon. You're published through Amazon as well. Is that correct? Yes, I did. Uh huh. Yeah. Very good. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad they gave you the freedom to. That way, they can't censor me. They these big publishers, these corporations, try to censor the authors and pay them a fraction of what they're worth. So I didn't do it that way, you know. <laughs> we could tell the truth. I agree with you fully. Even even a lot of the self-publishers are nothing but crooks. And uh, but uh, well, that too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, trust me, I've run into them. But Amazon is probably the most reasonable as well as the most, uh, uh, well, it'll give you the most marketing. You know, the they dollar. do. They're really good. They're really good, well, and people, they're credible. People believe them. I mean, people will trust them more. Oh, it is. But that's great. Well, I know in the few minutes that we have left, I know you had an experience running for office. And mm-hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, uh, I ran for Congress, and I won the primary in 1994 and went for the general election. I was told at that time, and by the way, I've always refused corporate money. I've run a couple of times and always refused corporate lobbyists and PAC money because I know it will try to control you. So I was always outspent five to one. But I was told by the Democratic Party leadership in D.C. when I won the primary, they had me come and meet them. They said, Peter Matthews, all you have to do is three things to win, and we'll help you. Raise money, raise money, and raise money. And they said, get the money from wherever you can get it as long as it's legal. So they didn't like my idea of refusing corporate money. I told them, what about Senator Paul Wellstone? He showed an example of how Democrats should really run as progressives and not be bought. They said, Wellstone was a fluke. He he can't ever happen again. Don't don't even try that. So that's the kind of corruption going on, even when the party is supposedly the party of the people, the Democrats, who have done in in some ways more overall over time than the Republicans, but now neither of them are doing it. But even with them, and even with some public interest groups, I found environmental groups saying to me, Peter Matthews, we love your ideas. You would be 100% vote for us in Congress, but we are supporting your opponent. Happens to be a corporate lawyer, by the way, who doesn't support the environment that much. And they say, well, he's going to give us 50% of what we want, but Matthews, you're not not going to win. So we're not going to support you in the primary. If you win the primary, we'll help you in the general election against Republicans. A lot of games playing in the system as opposed to winning, I mean, running for office for the sake of running where it's the right thing to do with the right issues, but instead of running for the sake of winning, that's what's been going on. And these, well, these guys are corrupted all the way up and down. I had a lot of experience with that. That's why I wrote some of it in the book. And you must know this if you ran, but, but do, you know, do you know what the price, of the, uh, the price of the Speaker of the House is? Tell me. Be- $22 million is what he raised last year. 
Nancy Pelosi had to raise $25 million. Yeah, there you go. Boehner's already got $22 million. So, yeah, you're, you're right about that. It's just outrageous because these guys have power. And when they take that kind of money, I always say, who's your daddy? You know, who are you going to have to be owed to? Who are you going to owe to? At least 80% of your votes. And that's a shame. That's why American middle class and working people and the working poor have been suffering. By the way, I ran one more time for Congress in 98. And actually, Senator Wellstone came down and campaigned for me. And, you know, I actually won 45% to 52% that the Republican won. He was an incumbent, already in office, a moderate Republican, so-called, because he was pro-choice. A very tough guy to beat. I got 45% to his 52, and I was outspent 6 to 1 with no corporate money. And so it's very tough. But I would urge every single candidate who's running for office now, including the incumbents, to just kick their corporate habit. Give it up and make it a national story. And then run and then serve the people. And if you can't do that, then we've got to have, we need to have this anyway. Clean money elections and the 20th Amendment. MoveToAmend.org is a great website. MoveToAmend.org to go there. And I think that if people only voted for candidates who subscribe to clean election system, mm-hmm. that would be very powerful. Because the people that would. But, you know, even, even like you said, the people that are activists, the people that are, you know, environmentalists, the people, they, they are such a hypocritical bunch of yo-yos, all right? I've seen it in local elections. I've seen it in national mm-hmm. elections. It's like you said, they're, they're essentially they're nonprofit corporations. That's what they are. You know, that's another big problem. That's another big problem in our country. You're right, sir. That's right. Yeah, no, no, that's what they... Yeah, go ahead. Really little uh, self-seeking uh, shit. You know, sorry to, to, to mess up the conversation with a few... <laughs> no, not at all, because sometimes they become so comfortable with their little bailiwick that they have their little nice salary coming in, and they're still pushing this wonderful agenda uh, verbally. But in practice, they play games because they want to keep their job as the director of that nonprofit or the director of that environmental group, as opposed to going out there and raising some real hell where the system will really change. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, you're, you're right. Absolutely right. Yeah. And, and, and what they become is uh, uh, they the become slaves to the – they become uh, uh, servants to the larger corporations, okay, or the larger So companies. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you look at they it, sure do. Prime example is NPR and uh, – and, uh, you know, National Public Radio, uh, National Tele- Public TV, okay, these guys are bought and sold by, by, by these foundations and these corporations that are nothing more than, than offshoots of, uh, of the Koch brothers or uh, Boeing or some military contractor or some other thing. And when they did that, their message, their whole news uh, reporting changed, didn't it? Remember back in the 60s when they didn't take that money from corporate foundations? They used to do pretty good in their reporting. And as this money started coming in, as the government cut back, they started becoming slaves to the donor, the big corporate donors. And then you can see their news reporting. It's completely way corporate, corporate-oriented, and they don't want to have any real progressive views on there. They censor people. You're absolutely right yeah. about that. That's why I'm glad what you guys are doing, independent, independent radio. That is the only, it's it's the only way to tell you the truth. It's independent, but we go through some serious censorship ourselves. Uh, ah. We just—it just happens. You can't. You can't. You, you know. I don't. I can tell. I can't tell you how many times our show has been hacked. All right. Whenever we are on certain sensitive issues, like, uh, <laughs> like uh, we we probably should not mention it. You know, the unmentionable. Uh, 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 international sensitive international issues. International issues like the Palestinian issues and the mm-hmm. the the the, the uh, uh, Jewish dominance of of the. Uh, media and so on and so forth. 
But any time we bring up these atrocities that are happening, uh, we get we we wind up all kinds of technical problems. Uh, and uh, you know, we we uh, I can't tell you how many times over the last uh, many many years we we have been hacked, um, you know, and and so on to try to bring this news out because the internet's a free place, you know. So far. And, and, and let's so we can keep it free. But inter, with net neutrality going down the wayside, that can can be affected. Or am I right? The net neutrality happens. issue. But not only that, yeah. you know, some of the most amazing things that we I follow this regularly. I really follow what's happening with the censorship aspect and this NSA thing and how mm-hmm. how frighteningly uh, powerful they have. They are, and all they have to do is press a button or two, and and your your system is crashed. Okay. I don't care how big your network is. You're crashed. Okay. And uh, that is so dangerous, so outrageous for democracy. So dangerous, and they're they're going to kill this democracy unless we stand up as much we're as we can. And even we, we have to. Yeah, we're on one of the larger networks and uh, internet networks in the country, and yet is that right? They have gone about uh, six months ago. They went through a massive, massive attack on their server. Okay. Wow. And, uh, and you know what? A lot of young people are using the Internet now for their news. They're listening to shows like yours. So that's yeah. very effective, and you can see why these powers that be want to knock you down sometimes. And they try, they try like hell, and, but, you know, we keep going, and we keep going, and we keep going. And exactly. We, keep going. we don't give a damn, and we keep... We've got to keep going. And keep going, and, uh, you know... It sounds like that. you do that as well with your book. Oh, and, Yes. <laughs> One of my favorite phrases is, is this. My friend Michael Parenti once mentioned it to me. He said, when the people lead, the leaders will follow. When the people <laughs> lead, the leaders will follow. Don't you love that? Yes, I do. I we, we, and we that's what you're doing, too. You guys are doing that. Well, thank you. Mike Parenti, uh, a number of years ago. Uh, when ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, when he wrote, uh, he was... Yes, he's a good friend of mine, and actually I had him on radio, on KPFK Pacifica Radio. I got a guest host position one day last week, a couple weeks ago, and then he came on, and I interviewed him and about four other people, uh, the GMO folks, Pam Larry, the label GMO's leader over here in California, and I interviewed uh, Military Family Speakout President, and she's in Long Beach, and her name is Pat Alviso, and then the third person was David Cobb of MoveToAmend.org, MoveToAmend Coalition, that's really pushing this 28th Amendment. They got 450,000 signatories already, and they got two members of Congress that have introduced it, and about another 70 co-sponsors, so you can get the word out on the radio for that if you like, or get them on there. Uh, you go to MoveToAmend.org. You talked to this lady about this uh, uh, GMO activist. Now, what I, I want to ask... Oh, you know, what, you know what happened with that, Leo? You know what happened with that GMO bill? We had a Proposition 37 in 2012, and Pam, Larry, and these guys got it on the ballot, and it was leading by 2 to 1 in October. By November, Monsanto and DuPont and all these big corporations dumped $45 million against it and lied to the people on the airwaves, outspent the, our, our side by $45 million to about $7 million, and we lost by 1.5%. That's amazing. That's totally amazing. There's dollar democracy for you, too. That has to be fixed. Oh, absolutely. And I want to ask you, what what have they done? I know there was some major protests at the White House that were never covered by anybody other than on the Internet, but uh, uh, against uh, uh, Miss Obama's, uh, you know, organic food, uh, you know, push, all right? Yeah. When when the head of the FDA, okay, appointed by her husband, all right, is no budget, is nothing more than the than the former VP and lawyer to uh, Monsanto. Monsanto, Monsanto, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. 
director now is, is the Monsanto guy. Okay, uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, the uh, oh God, Thomas, the Supreme Court justice. Oh, Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas. He was a Monsanto guy. I think he was a Monsanto executive. <laughs> And, you know, right. all of these people are all connected to Monsanto, you know what I mean? And, and it's like, all of a sudden, she's pushing for organic food. All of a sudden, she wants organic food and, uh, you know. Well, I guess they don't have any conversations over the dinner table, huh? But my question is, <laughs> what, what did, whatever happened to this protest? Because it was very serious in what they were doing. Well, all of those people it. got arrested at the gates, okay, who were, who were, who were violent, who were trying to... Um, uh, protest uh, 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 Michelle Obama and her garden party there, you know, a vegetable garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I guess, the, and it never got anywhere. Uh, and I, as far as I know, they're still trying to, to, to protest those things. But, of course, it's getting no coverage anywhere and never will. Right. That's the thing. The corporate media doesn't want to touch it because they get all this funding in their advertisements from Monsanto and DuPont and Cargill and all those other big agribusinesses that are ruining not only our food, but they're ruining the water. You know, hurting our children, it's just horrendous. And we had a protest, a day of protest nationwide against Monsanto, and I was a speaker at it in Long Beach, and we had these protests Occupy people. The Occupy movement across the country held them pretty successfully. It got some coverage worldwide, actually, about a month and a half ago. So we just got to keep going, guys. You guys are doing a great job, and we just keep up the good fight, you know? What that legislation was, uh, the Senate Dems failed to overturn Supreme Court Hobby Lobby ruling, okay? Yes, the Hobby Lobby ruling, they lost the votes, but the Senate voted 46 to 43 against invoking uh, cloture on the legislation. 50. And, it, and it killed, yeah, what did I say? 56 50. to 43. Yeah. And, uh, 56 it, to 43 against revoking cloture. Yeah. yeah. And, but it still failed to attract the 60 votes. And, and believe it or not, two Repu- three Republican senators were the ones that pushed the bill. Okay, Lisa mm-hmm. Murkowski, Susan Collins, and Mark Kirk voted to advance the bill, but it still right. failed to advance 60 votes needed to move forward. Now, you know, you have 60 Democratic votes, all right, in the Senate, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, but, they're not uh, any, they're just as bought out as the Republicans. Oh, yeah, but it just, but, they're all bought out. But, you know, you and they a, run so scared. I think yeah, we're almost no, ready. I'm going to be doing... Yeah, they run so scared about, they worry about the NRA, they worry about these uh, radical uh, fringe elements that are against women's choice. They're scared of the bombings and this and that. They've got to start standing up. These Democrats are wimps, those corporate Democrats and the ones that are bought up by the extreme right wing. We've got to get them on board or just get them out of the party or just start a new party, third party. Let's support third parties. But I, I'm a Democrat, lifelong, and I believe we can clean up our party. We work hard with progressive Democrats. But again... Both parties have been corrupted to a large extent, and we can fix that if we get involved. People say, get involved. I, I don't mean offense to be offensive to you, but I've always said to progressives that a progressive Democrat is an oxymoron. All right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. You just may be right there. I'm going to think that one over. You're right. In many cases, I look at people like Wellstone and Dennis Kucinich to some extent, you know, and it's a problem. Yeah, it's a real problem. But they, but they That's for sure. And then they got rid of uh, Kucinich. Kucinich. Right. Well, we've got to keep up the good fight, guys. We've got to keep up the good fight. You're right. I'll be ready Well, we want to thank you very much for being on the show. And one more time, give us your uh, website so people can know. Sure. The website is epetermatthews.com. It's Matthews spelled with one T, M-A-T-H-E-W-S. So epetermatthews.com. Okay? 
be great to hear from people. I like to hear from their ideas and give me some ideas what they think about the book as well. Well, we think your book is great, Dollar Democracy with Liberty and Justice for Some, and I hope it's found in schools around the country. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they get it in schools. That would be wonderful. Don't forget the last part of it, how to win back the American dream for all. At least in your class. There we go. <laughs> okay, all thank right. you so much. I'll say goodbye. I've got another uh, taping to do here coming up. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good night. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Peter. That was Peter.